I keep thinking of like, you know, the California beach where you see tar seeps in the sand kind of that's how that's my image of like, you know, in the Mekong, it's again, not pools of oil or gas anywhere, but you do have reservoirs, you have areas where, you know, it's either stratigraphically constrained or structurally trapped, where there is a, a better pocket of oil and gas, but definitely not a lake. I wish I could find a lake of oil down there. That'd be great. Welcome to Energy Builders, a podcast about the geologists, engineers, roughnecks, entrepreneurs, and many more that are building in oil and gas. Hey guys, Adam here. On today's episode, we're talking with James Van Alstein of Van Alstein Geosciences. James is a geophysicist who runs his own practice. We talk about his time in the corporate oil and gas world, as well as what it was like to go out on his own and form his own consulting business. We also talk about James's recent foray into the world of acting. He shares some fun stories from those experiences. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you're entertained and you learn something and take something away from this episode. If you enjoy the show, please do be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, and again, I hope you enjoy today's show. I'm James Alstein. I am a geophysicist. I was with uh, uh, Schlumberger and Chesapeake Energy for combined over 20 years, 15 with Chesapeake and, and at least four more with Schlumberger before that down in Houston. Um, since about 2020, I've kind of struck out on my own. I started my own consulting company, uh, which is creatively called Van Alstein Geosciences. And that, that's been a great experience, kind of learning how the world of an independent works. I, um, through that, I've been doing a lot of geophysical contracting with, with various clients who've been keeping me uh, very busy with that. And that, I do enjoy this consulting world because when a client comes to me with a problem, I know it, it, you feel like a bit of a superhero. You know, they, you kind of like they have a problem, you swoop in, you solve it, and you kind of kind of can move on from there. And it's, it's been a great experience. Um, and in between, I've been kind of building my own prospects and trying to get a few things drilled while, while commodity prices have been high. And on the side, because I have a little bit more time flexibility, I've started doing a little bit of Hollywood acting. Been in a couple of Hollywood movies, uh, TV shows, and a couple of commercials now. So it's been pretty fun. What, what was the... Have at uh, 4 o'clock today, I actually have a, a, a Zoom meeting with uh, an agency out in California for a possible show. So it'll be kind of interesting. Nice, nice. I definitely yeah. want to hear some of those stories. So let's let's circle back. <laughs> let's circle back to that yeah. here in a in a little bit. But um, can you give some examples? Like, um, what what does that mean? Uh, uh, you coming in and acting as a, a as a consultant on a project. Like, can you give us kind of some some maybe not a specific one? I don't know if you have you know CAs or NDAs or anything I like that. But maybe CAs, so I can't really give specifics. Yeah. But maybe, um, maybe yeah, give us a, an idea of what a project might look like. Well, and I mean, the good thing about a lot of these clients, they some are very defined, like we have a need, we'll need you for this X number of hours to do this number of work or this kind of end goal. So you, you kind of do the project, you finish it, kind of wrap up with Bowen and hand off to the client and say, here's the work and let me know what else you need. Um, other clients are more ongoing. It's like, hey, we have a need for... Either it's like developing geohazard analysis for wells. You know, a lot of that is for just like the seismic review, if they have a planned well coming up. Um, and other clients, it's it's more, hey, we have a new 3D. We need you to work it up, horizons, faults, and then also additional well work. 
Uh, some of those are more extended contracts, like they will last, you know, months or longer, depending on how it is. So it's, it's more open-ended. Um, and it's just a lot of, it's just like, you know, what time can I do to be able to kind of juggle the contracts? Um, so it's been, it's been a really good mix. Like I have some, like I said, which are ongoing contracts, some which are pretty much like I'm working every day on them. Others, it's just like a, a short, maybe a couple weeks span and, and then be done. Um, so it's been really good. And a lot of it has been uh, word of mouth for the most part. I've It's one of those things I keep, when I was let go from Chesapeake in 2020, that's, I, I got hit by the bankruptcy. Then when, when that happened, I was, I was a geophysical advisor at the time at Chesapeake. So I was kind of like one of those higher end targets, which I, I, I just kind of knew it was going to happen. I've been there for 15 years. So it was kind of a um, easy to expect. Um, I, I set this up as what I thought was going to be more of like a temporary thing as I'm trying to find, you know, a, a permanent base, try to get back into the industry full time. But over time, it's it's been growing to the point where it's like, you know, this might be where I'm going to be at for, for an extended time. But I still haven't set up like a website or anything to, for people to find me. It's all been kind of just word of mouth and contracts have been coming in through people I've worked with at Chesapeake before who've moved on to other, other industries or other connections to kind of find the link. So it's been just kind of an organic growth that I've not really done a lot of searching out and finding contracts or finding finding opportunities. So it's been, I've been very blessed in that. So the, wor- yeah. the work is finding you without you having it's to go out and market yourself. Me. Yes. And I've been, I've been a very appreciative and all the clients have been just amazing to work with. They're just really great people. And I'm really glad that I can give a good service and get them have good results and, and just keep in touch with them afterwards. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's great, great industry to work in. So can oh, you, yeah. can you talk about that a little bit? Like, uh, it sounds like, you know, you're, you're, you didn't come out like with a grand plan in 2020. You weren't like, I'm going to Van Alstine geosciences. We're going to take over the consulting world. But as that's developed, can you talk about, um, maybe some of the, um, in hindsight now pluses and minuses of like your daily nine to five, and then maybe pluses and minuses running your own business and how you, you know, you've got a, make your own calendar. Now you've got to find these contracts. You've got to delegate time. What's that pluses and minuses on both sides. Well, it's, you definitely have that feeling of the feast or famine. So it's kind of like there are times where I don't know how long an extended contract might go for. So I will try to pick up a couple and that's when it gets a little bit stressed for the time work balance. So it's kind of like, there's a few that are working, I'll work one contract up for a full, you know, eight hour day, and then I will work on another contract to make sure I'm keeping all the balls kind of moving forward at the same pace. I'll be working on another one longer periods of time. So it's, it's I'm still learning on the whole, you know, how to how to balance the the work and life. It's it, at times I feel like I am busier and more time spent than when I was fully employed at Chesapeake, just because I'm trying to make sure I'm providing as good a service to the the clients that I have. Um, and sometimes it's, it's like I said, the fees are famine. Then when that dies down and you see sign off one contract, uh, then it's like, okay, now I have all this time on my hands. I have to kind of relearn what it's like to have more time on my plate. So it's kind of adjusting, but, um, it's been, it's been great. I mean, the clients I've been working with have been very, very good. Most of them are, are, are flexible as long as they get the end product by a certain day. Like, Hey, we have a well coming up in the next couple of weeks. Can you get me this? And I try to get it turned right around as quick as I can. Um, but it's it's still an adjustment period for that. And it's for me, coming from the corporate world, I'm still in that 
eight to five, you put in the full hours, you, you just, you get the work done. So I'm working every day as much as I can, like on a full, full work schedule that I, 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 I've talked to other, other consultants who are like, yeah, I'm going to go golfing this morning. Then I'm going to take off. I'm going to do a little work and then I'm going to adjust again. I'm like, I just don't have that mindset yet. So if I'm, if I'm not working on contracts, I'm working on my own prospect ideas or trying to develop stuff to kind of put, you know, more ideas together to try to kind of get things drilled. So it's, it's been busy. And it, I, like I said, I'd much rather be busy than bored. Absolutely. You, you made me think of a, a quote by uh, Naval Ravikant. He talks about like, if you look at a lion, right, the lion, um, it's, it's hunting, right? So it's, it's crouching, it's hiding in the grass, it's watching its prey go by. And then there's a boom, there's a lot of activity. It goes, you know, takes down its prey and then it feasts and yeah. that it feasts and has a big old more than it needs. And then it's, it's good for a while. Then it's, it's, it's taking it easy. It's lying around. It's chilling. It's so not really famine. <laughs> it's, it's feasting and then it's relaxing between kills. And, yes. uh, uh, that kind of, you, you made me think of that quote and that's, uh, you know, opportunity to do other things, maybe have some leisure or, or practice some other, um, some other uh, trades as you're working on, uh, like we talked about with the acting career. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of a lot of it kind of came into it too, is like between contracts there, especially last year, I had a, a, a break between a, a few contracts and timing wise just worked out perfect that I was able to do a couple of movie roles. So it's, uh, it's kind of worked out. So it's kind of like, again, it, it, it is kind of, I don't know if I really view acting as work, but it is, it's a paid role. So it's, you know, it's kind of like a vacation, but a paid vacation, which is kind of nice. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. So, um, time at time spent at Schlumberger and Chesapeake. Uh, well, let's talk about Chesapeake. What were you working uh, with uh, on the drilling side of things? What What was your role? There? I was well as a geophysicist. You you work at Chesapeake. Everything was pretty much you know integrated. So you had drilling with geo all kind of combined on projects. So I was. Um, and in the 15 years I was there, they had me working on a whole multitude of projects across different bases. So I was, I started out at Chesapeake in South Texas. I was in the conventional days of 06 to 09, uh, working South Texas in the, the gas, uh, gas trend of Zapata, the Lobo trend, Wilcox, you know, that kind of the tertiary rocks. Uh, that was all the, that was probably the, my favorite days at Chesapeake to work because those were working this basin that was like a shattered glass. You're putting together little structural three-way closures, you know, tr structural traps, and you really had to kind of like isolate all the variables before you put a well in the ground. And it, and it was all vertical wells at the time. And that was just fun to try to kind of like figure out where you could fit in one extra well within a fault block. Um, and then, you know, 09 to 013 was when um, I was moving to the Marcellus, and that was when the Marcellus was starting to, to take hold and just in its infancy. And I was in their West Virginia side, uh, and just basically, you know, that that was when the Appalachian for us was a brand new basin. So I was involved with big regional structure maps, basically like doing this whole basin delineation, plus the geohazard for the horizontals, which were really starting to take off at that point, really kind of starting to develop that and figure out what is our, our biggest risk? Do we want to be in a, a highly fractured area? Maybe the fracture would help with natural gas or do we want to be away from fractures? We were doing all this testing and I was developing exploration plays in heavily faulted areas closer to the Allegheny overthrust area where you know we definitely have fractures galore and trying to define a few fault blocks there to 
Then the opposite side on the western edge of the basin, where it was a lot structurally quieter, easier to drill. But you know, what would you get for the same bang for the buck? So it was really, really fun times, and it was like a, a complete difference of uh, mindset and skills for what we were when I was doing on the uh, South Texas days of just you know structural traps and defining for these vertical wells. A very different mindset for the horizontal world and getting these kind of played out and planned. And then as we're drilling, I'm, I'm helping you know, constantly through the steering process, you know, they say, okay, we're seeing inclination changes. What are we, what should we expect going forward? Do we have faults or fractures that we have to be cognizant of? So that was just kind of that evolution at Chesapeake into that horizontal world and did them ourselves for that for, like I said, about four years. Then they moved me into the mid continent. So I started working. It was, it was kind of a combination at that time of conventional plus the unconventional kind of had the, the Woodford plus we were doing the Miss Lime and a lot of other targets. So I was kind of like, we're, we were all applying the horizontal technology, this new tools in what was more conventional assets. And that was awesome. Just, you know, different, different mindsets, again, kind of work with that. Um, and then from there, Chesapeake was able to move me into exploration. So I did exploration for a while, kind of developing new plays, new basins, working with a whole bunch of different geologists and teams. Um, and I, I should say that at this point, I'm never just doing this all on my own. We had a great integrated group of geologists, reservoir engineers, completions engineers just kind of making sure that every all eyes were on every well that we were drilling trying trying to keep everything the best optimal results as possible you know make sure that every variable was taken care of while we we're at the drilling or in the planning stages so it worked out really well um then exploration was great i loved exploration just trying to find that new thing or that new idea that hasn't been tested before or exploring new basins that were kind of overlooked um and from that kind of led me into uh, i was in gt technology for a while too where we're testing inversions can we optimize our seismic to better our well results? And it's just a whole gamut of different things I was testing. So definitely kept me busy. And now yeah. I'm kind of taking that knowledge and the experiences and what I learned there and carrying it on to my, the clients I'm working with, you know, saying, hey, this is what we did at Chesapeake for steering. This is what we looked at. This is like the inclination plans I kind of put together and kind of building those same ideas into uh, deliverables I'm giving to my clients. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, love hearing all that experience and all the the different uh, the different ways you you honed your your science and your craft. So, uh, as you were talking about that, James, talking about South Texas and working on the traps and 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 all the different. Uh, I mean, you were. I'm I'm not a geologist or a geophysicist. Uh, I mean, I'm. You get to hear a lot of, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we do hear rocks and, uh, you know, my, my, my father, Russ is, uh, the geologist and, um, I mean, he's dangerous on different fronts. So a lot of, you know, I can track with a lot of your saying with what you're talking about, but thinking about like, for instance, we've had family friends or, or, um, uh, uh, people from other industries come in and have conversations with us and just think, you know, say things like, oh, well, you drill down to these, these, these oil lakes under the surface, right? I'm like, no, <laughs> there's not lakes of oil. There's, 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 there's rock down there and it's bound up. In there. But if you were to explain to someone um, as a geophysicist trying to explain what um, an oil saturated reservoir looks like in the mid continent, um, how would you describe that to them? Oh, uh, man. It's and can, and can you do that without getting <laughs> into, into really, it's really I mean, it's, deep it's details? Basically, I, I keep thinking of like, you know, the California beach where you see tar seeps in the sand. Kind of that's how that's my image of like, you know, in the McConnell. It's again, not pools of oil or gas anywhere, but you do have 
reservoirs. You have areas where you know it's either stratigraphically constrained or structurally trapped where there is a, a better pocket of oil and gas, but definitely not a lake. I wish I could find a lake of oil down there. That'd be great. Don't we all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, uh, um, it's, it's more like I always kind of view it as the sponge. You know, it's like you, you, you know there's water. If you squeeze that sponge, you'll definitely get a lot poured out. But if you pick it up, and even if it's wet, you only maybe see a little bit of a drip or two that's coming out of it. And that's how I view the reservoirs. It's kind of like this this sponge that you're hoping through stimulation, you'll be able to kind of start to squeeze that and start to get drips out of it. In and South Texas, What's in, South, in South Texas, what you were doing down there, were you, were you guys looking, I mean, what was the porosity, were, were you looking for porosity and what were like the, what were the cutoffs that you're looking for we, in that area? Down there, that was, you know, it was still tight sand completion. So it wasn't like we're dealing with like the traditional tertiary rocks where you have like, you know, Milladarcy's a perm. We were um, we were happy when we were getting, I think, fifteen percent porosity, and I think our cutoff at that time was twelve. Like, that was kind of like where it was like too tight to really start to kind of work with. Uh, since then, with the whole shale revolution, we can definitely take that number ratcheted down even further. But uh, at that time, I remember there was many a well that we would have that real skinny completion at twelve percent, or you know, maybe even down to nine percent porosity, and we're like. Do we do we run pipe on this? A lot of times we would, and and sometimes we we were surprised. I mean, there was the whole chance of the the logging tools not catching those real porous beds sandwiched in between more impermeable beds. So it's like you, know, you always had that chance. You always have to be that whole optimistic. You know, I'm always describe myself as a pessimistic optimist. You know, or a realist, basically. <laughs> nice. No, that's great. Um, so yeah, I don't know if we I still have a good picture of what it's like d- down there, but I, I think that's probably true anywhere you go. Like it, even with all, 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 all even with all the technology drilling through the rock, everything you get, like you're still making educated guesses, right? Like yep. there's never a point where you're well, maybe there's points where you will say you're 100% sure or 110% sure, but I mean, there's still until you get down there and start, you know, a completion and flowing back and seeing what you're actually, you, yeah. you just don't know until 30 days out, 60, 90, 180, well, even if you have three the years. Next to you, it's still always a crapshoot. I mean, we, there was many a times where we would have the wells just offsetting it on that structure and like, okay, we're just down, we're up dip of this well. And that well had this expert porosity in this zone. We should be able to expect it better. But if you move up dip, it's still, it's an unknown. Things can change because, you know, rock is variable. It's very, very variable. Um, and hopefully like in South Texas, we tried to, any idea that we were going to drill also make sure we can plan for contingencies. Like what other bailout zones do we have? If our primary target doesn't come in expected, do we have other objectives? And fortunately in South Texas and in like the mid continent, you have an abundance of other intervals, which might have hydrocarbon shows either during drilling or in logging that can hopefully bail you out. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about. I know you got to work on. Uh, let's let's jump from the 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 geophysics and let's let's move over to the the, the acting. So let's talk about. I know you were, you you told me I think a couple of stories. There was a Scorsese film shooting here. Yeah, Scorsese. In Oklahoma. I, yeah, I, I've been very. What lucky was the name of that to, film? What was that? That was Killers of Flower Moon. So okay. I I've been now acting since 2020 off and on like i said it's not something i am actively pursuing and really kind of you know 
hustling to get to get roles. It's been one of those things that's like, oh, something pops up. I think I could be flexible into it and throw my hat in the ring. Whether you've I just got this itch, you've got a scratch. This this it's, acting itch. It's all about just the experiences and the fun. So did you do this? Started, did you do this in like college or high school? No, did you do any kind of drama? All, nothing at all. I had I had zero acting background whatsoever. Okay, but it's always been you know I've always been a very imaginative guy. I've always loved like my sci-fi, you know, books and and whatnot, reading. So I've always kind of thought that was kind of fun. That just that world of imagination and trying it. Um, so in 2020, after I got let go from Chesapeake, I uh, they were needing extras on a movie up in Guthrie that they were filming called Reagan. That was a uh, Dennis Quaid. It's uh, the life and times of Ronald Reagan. Uh, so they put me on that one. Cause I just wanted to see the background. Cause you always watch these movies and you see all this stuff. And I just always curious, like what goes on in the background to get these things worked on. So now I can, I can honestly say I I've seen the, the ins and outs of how these movies get made. Um, in case in point, like when I was onto it, they, um, uh, I was in just for, this is going to be like, where's Waldo? It's going to be really hard to find me. It's basically like, you know, it's like blank and you'll miss me. But uh, the casting director said, oh, we like you. We're going to throw you in a couple different scenes. So they put me in one where it's going to be a ballroom scene, right? And this is kind of like how these movies get made on like a, on a, on a, uh, on a budget type, type of straight. They found like, you know, suits at a flea market. So they gave me this ballroom suit from a flea market put it on. It, it sort of fits. Okay. Take two steps and the entire leg just start basically shreds apart. I'm like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> so they take safety pins and duct tape, tape it all together. So the legs are back whole. And so just don't turn to the camera. So that, and that's basically what it is. So you have all this stuff. It's kind of like all these things you would not see in the, in the show, but you know, it's happening in the background. Um, and since I've been doing this, a lot of my roles are a little bit more in the background, but I've had one which uh, I actually had a speaking part. That'll be in a movie called Unbreakable Boy. Uh, it's a Zachary Levi film. Uh, and Zachary Levi, if you don't know him, he's the, the the actor who plays Shazam. He was on a TV show, Chuck. Really, really awesome guy. I got to know him pretty well in a couple movies, and he's just as genuine as it comes. Really, really cool. Um on that one, I actually had a speaking part with him. So it's like I have, you know, I'm actually SAG eligible at this point. I'm just, you know, like the starting, starting geophysicist. You, in a, you're leveling up world. each time. Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, but then I had a pretty good role in uh, a movie that was out last Christmas. It was called American Underdog. That was the story of Kurt Warner. Um, and I actually got to be Kurt Warner's brother-in-law in that one. And that was just, that was like a really great experience just to be able to, I was right there with the principal actors. I got to know them and be involved in so many different films. I'm learning on set from them on various points. And it just was such a great experience. Um, and like, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but there's another one that just to kind of get to, to see what happens in these movies to get them to come forward. Uh, there's one scene where there's a tornado that goes through a village or goes through a town. And actually, um, in their real story, it's, it's pretty tragic. It's what uh, um, killed uh, Brenda Warner, her, her parents. Um, and how they filmed that though, is they just went to this really, really posh neighborhood and they were filming for a tornado. And in the movie, it shows devastation it, and they really did a great, I mean, it, it shows, it looks like it is, you know, a completely devastated area, but for filming it, they just went to this really posh, beautiful home and dumped garbage and insulation and trash all over the front yard and put little smoke bombs all over the place to make it look like it was all this damage. And it's just like, oh my lord, just to see how this is, and and then the aftermath of cleaning it all up was just crazy. Um, but yeah, so that's for me. It's all been about collecting collecting stories. Um, so I did that, and then I was able to join in on 
uh, the Killers of the Flower Moon movie, and that was with Scorsese and DiCaprio and De Niro. Um, and for that one, I, as I described, I'm kind of an accidental actor. It's not like I planned for this. It just kind of happened. I'm enjoying the ride. Um, so I was on set for that again, mostly background, but, uh, I got pulled into a scene by one of the assistant directors. They said, Oh, we need you in this spot. It's, it's going to be a dance scene. So now I'm not just an accidental actor. I'm an accidental dancer at the same time. You're like supposed to know the box <laughs> trot and all these other roles. And I don't, I don't dance that well. So they put me in this spot and lo and behold, didn't know that the assistant director didn't realize that that was a spot that was supposed to be for the trained professional dancers, the one that gone through dress rehearsals and knew what to do. So it made it look like they knew what they were doing for dancing other than me and this, uh, this uh, lady I was paired with. Um, but we're in this scene and <laughs> we're, we're starting filming 20 minutes into it. And we're, as we're going, start hearing the director at three in the morning, of course, cause they had to control for lighting and he's going like, cut, cut. What are you doing? We practiced this. Who are you? Because that's when they find out that I was not in the right spot. So, but we're 20 minutes into filming and they just have to make it best with it. So he's giving me pointers on how to dance better, how to be better on this and, you know, getting enough, enough feedback into it. So I think I did okay. The direct, uh, the, this, act, this director came up to me later and thank, said I did a great job, good energy, appreciate me taking cues. I'm like, okay. But in this scene, I am within a hand span of DiCaprio and De Niro. And if they take one of the takes, you know, DiCaprio basically knocks me over as he's trying to cut through this dance scene on it. So it, it was pretty cool. Lots That's of awesome. lots of interesting experience. So I think, one, I think you told me that DiCaprio's a method actor. Very and, much. And you very got to see method. a scene where he's, and I don't know if it was in this uh, filming sequence, but he's... Uh, imbibing quite a few shots <laughs> I, I don't want to say on that one there's a there's a couple that like you know i think he he definitely goes for legitimate roles and i know on the set uh when you're you're on that i mean he's i mean it's all business i just like you know we're here do the job and then then they leave to to prepare for the next scene and um but he takes it to that next level where if you wanted to get his attention you had to call him by his character name because he would not respond to, to Leo or DiCaprio or anything else. It would only be his character's name. So it's mm. uh, it's very, very legit. I mean, it's, it's you know, when they talk about the method actors and they really kind of embed themselves in the character, he's definitely that. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was fun. Um, and then, well, yeah, that was up in Pahuska. And what they, how they developed that whole area, because this is a, a very high budget film. So, I mean, they built like entire homes you know complete structures for this this property out in you know in the osage hills they're just beautiful sets and you know for Pasca itself they they developed this whole uh uh facade across many of the buildings to bring them back into that 1920s and you know put covered it the whole road so make it look like that you know the there were still like the horses plus the old model t's and everything else it just was incredible being a part of that was James Van Alstein of Van Alstein Geosciences. If you'd like to learn more or connect with James, head to LinkedIn and search for James Van Alstein or Van Alstein Geosciences. Thanks again for listening to Energy Builders. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, please do us a big favor 
and leave a review in whatever podcast app you listen to or share with someone you think might enjoy this content. Thanks a lot for listening to Energy Builders. Energy Builders.